Hi, and welcome to part two of our telehealth and insurance episodes. We had so much useful content in part one that we've decided to make a bite-sized part two to help provide you with methods on how to handle your insurance provider and understand what state lines issues mean for you. I'm Tech Amy, and I'm your host and tech specialist here at GHLF. Let's roll into part two together. I think that a lot of people aren't aware of these state line issues until they happen to be traveling or they happen to live near our border, and then suddenly it applies to them. What's the best way for patients to communicate with their insurance provider so they understand the rules of their particular plan? The best method is to call your insurance, and when you call and ask your question, always get a reference number. And the reference number is documented in the insurance company's computer. And should something not pay the way the patient expected, if they should um, assess a higher deductible, which is a portion the patient has to pay, or a higher um, coinsurance, which is another portion the patient has to pay, you can always refer to the reference number. But there also has to be an open collaboration between the patient and the provider, because sometimes providers think they're doing this code and they do a different code. So we want to make sure that the patient is fully aware of the code the provider is using, the code the provider is billing, and also what the insurance expects to pay. Stephen, do you have anything to add with that? No, I think Maria covered it. I think the key is to create as as, as much communication with both your provider and, and your insurer as possible. Um, if you work for a company and you have an HR department, they'll be able to help navigate that as well. But yeah, I think the key is uh, just knowing knowing your benefits. You know, it's funny, many, many, many years ago, I had someone say to me, uh, we were unpacking um, an electronic device. He said, let me give you some advice. First thing you do, always read the instruction manual. Most people don't read the instruction manual. Read the instruction manual. Take a few minutes, and then you know how to work the TV or whatever device it is. Just read it. And when it comes to healthcare, read your instruction manual. Yeah, that's definitely... uh... Great advice. I um, can remember a time when a, a light came on on my car's dashboard, and I had no idea what that light meant. <laughs> um, so I, I called my dad and I said, "What what light is this?" And he said, "Check the owner's manual." <laughs> and I said, "Why didn't I think of that?" Um, you know, some things in life don't come with an owner's manual, but insurance does. So my final question for both of you is: Where do you see the future of telehealth? Well, I, I would say I, I think it's here to stay as a complement to traditional in-person visits. Um, I think it, it, it certainly serves a purpose. You can avoid the you know, traffic of getting to and from a, a, an appointment, an appointment that could normally take you know, an hour or an hour and a half uh, with commute time and wait time in the waiting room is now cut down to almost less than six minutes. Um, so from that perspective, I think it's here to stay. Um, the, you know, long-term, I don't have an answer. Uh, Maria probably would know better than me. I don't know what the reimbursement rates are going to show because at a certain point, insurers are going to say, gee, you're seeing, you know, your average time with patients is cut from eight minutes down to four minutes. How are we, you know, we can't reimburse at the same rate. And it's just not, it's not the same. And doctors, for the most part, probably would be happy to take a little bit of a haircut because they're seeing more patients and they're, and they're still making more money on it. So I, I wonder where that stasis can end up being. But, uh, you know, full reimbursement, I think was necessary for sure during the pandemic. 
and there are certain items that a full reimbursement should probably remain. But long term, um, there may be some kind of negotiation to get it down, considering the um, that the average visit time is 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 lower during uh, during a telehealth visit. I agree with Stephen. I think that for any modality other than mental health, the time uh, with the provider has decreased. Um, mental health, their codes are based on their time. So I don't think that the insurances are going to keep that high pay for the providers. I think they're going to decrease that pay. Um, but I also think that they're going to allow it in certain circumstances. I don't, I haven't heard any change for Medicare and Medicaid as to eliminating it. Um, but I think it has to be a complement, like Stephen said, to the traditional visits. I do think that as the pandemic, I want, don't want to say goes away, but gets better, um, they're going to eliminate the amount of telehealth visits. And maybe there'll be like a, you know, four days a week we're going to have patients and the other day we could do emergency telehealth appointments. But I do think the a ruling factor for providers is going to be the reimbursement as to whether they keep it. And um, unfortunately, they are going to, they'll take a little haircut for like primary care or arthritis doctors or rheumatoid providers. But at the same time, I think providers that are not taking much of a cut like the, the telehealth feature because they could get more in. There's no commute time. They could work 12 hours. They could take an hour for dinner and then work three hours at night. So I haven't heard anything where it's going to end, but I do think just utilizing common sense that, and you know, people need to see each other and providers in some instances really do like seeing their patients. And I think you need that hands-on contact. And I think the driving factor for providers is going to be the reimbursement rates. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. You can also follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any questions or want to reach out, please don't hesitate to email me at afinkelstein at ghlf.org. And thank you for patiently connecting.